Welcome to Financial Gravity with John Pollock. For the next half hour, John lends his years of experience to guide you towards lower taxes, higher profit, and greater wealth. Now, your host, John Pollock. disclose a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff and give Nick a little bit of credit. He wins the most patient man in the world. Um, this is our third attempt. Uh, the first time we tried a software that did not work. The second time we used the software we're using now, but for some reason it, we had some issues um, and the recording did not come across real well. So Nick is gracious enough to do a third time. And let me tell you right now, the last interview we did that no one's going to hear was pure genius. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, they'll have to take our word for it. <laughs> yeah, that's funny you mentioned that. I've never been accused of being patient before, but this is pretty funny. I took uh, one of those like strength finders or whatever test, and um, it, it came up as uh, that I was really patient. I'm like, what do you mean? The guy goes, well, it shows you that you're really patient, just no one works fast enough for you. I'm like, exactly. I've been telling everyone that <laughs> my entire life. You just you just saved me like 10 years of therapy. But anyway, uh, I'll, I'll take the second accusation of being patient. All right, so let's let's get into it. What is your elevator pitch? My elevator pitch. I can help you live the life you want to live by building you the business you know you deserve um, by people seeing you the way you know you should be seen. That's one way to put it. <laughs> yeah, so I mean that that kind of sets up a, a platform for you to answer lots of questions. You know, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, so so what I've found, and in, in, I mean, I've now worked with, I mean, I've had just, we're about to cross the 3,000 client mark. We've been in business about 10 years. And, of course, I've been doing some of the stuff I do now. I've been doing entertainment and the music business and stuff for even longer than 10 years. So <clears throat> what I've really found is, and I think I'll trace it back to um, when I was a kid writing music and playing in my bedroom, and I wanted, you know, everyone wants a record deal. And so I don't uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure this thing out, and I, you know, at the time, you know, you go to the library and you get some books. There was no Amazon then, and you know, so you get some books and you read some stuff, and you go to Barnes and Noble, you buy some stuff, and it kept. There were just so many things about getting in the music business. I figured out that one of them, they would say you needed, you you absolutely had to have a lawyer represent you, or no one, or you can't get any meetings, and that's that's really true in many cases because. Essentially, there's so many people who have no idea that the music sucks that they will, you know, bombard record labels and be really unrealistic and now add in all sorts of, you know, mental issues and stuff. And you, you have some some issues with people going to record labels or trying to go in the front door and saying, "Hey, my music's awesome. Check this out." And it's really not good. So they really they really say they don't take anything that's unsolicited. And if you want to submit something, you have to do it through a lawyer. And it really is kind of one of their checks and balance systems. And what I I, I just wondered, like, what – most lawyers don't know anything about music, first of all. And so what, what made this lawyer more credible than me to talk about music? And it's just kind of I, – I became kind of fascinated by that, and I kept trying to figure out how could I get even the right lawyers to speak with me. Because I was, like, 16 years old dialing, you know, long-distance numbers on, like, calling cards on, in my bedroom, you know, because I didn't want my parents to have, like, oh. a big long-distance bill. And so it really was – it became this really interesting thing of how do you gain the credibility you need – for the person on the other end of the line or now maybe the other end of the email or whatever it is to pick up the phone and actually engage with you. And I, I never really don't think I've really ever explained it that way. But I think I figured out from a really young age that in order to even earn your way into the conversation, certain things had to be achieved first. And I, and so as I've gone through my life and 
you know, helped others get to where they want to be. It's, it's, there are these, these markers, these milestones, these, these, uh, these things you, that in order to, to make the value equation strong enough for someone to engage with you, you have to prove yourself in some way in many cases. And so what's the best way, the fastest, easiest way I can prove I belong in the conversation? And that's what I spent now most of my life doing that. I mean, I've earned my way into some pretty interesting conversations, and I now help my clients do the same. And by the way, going back to the music thing, it's still the same thing today, but it's really funny how people will complain about that. But if it's really not the case because if, if you're an artist who – if you have unbelievable talent and you walk in the front door of a record label and you start singing your butt off and you can really sing like, like anyone else in the world – Everyone is going to come out to greet you, right? So it's just, I mean, but there are there are checks and balances in place because that's not the case most. Right, and I think we've learned that from American Idol and watching some of the people who think they're great. Absolutely, <laughs> get There's on way there. More so than I, that than you know, but yes, exactly. Yeah, oh yeah, no, I, I, I'm not. I would not be surprised. I think this what you said was is you were trying to figure out how to gain credibility. Yeah, and it is critical to. To his business. I mean, so for people that are interested, if you just Google celebrity branding agency, you'll see a ton of work that Nick does. And he does a really good job of attaching uh, regular people to famous people. And then you can borrow from their credibility. And then by borrowing from someone else's credibility, then you can build your own credibility. Well, yeah, think about it in a, I mean, let's, let's take it back to like the most basic level. You meet, you're out at a, you're out at a bar, let's say. And, um, there's you have a buddy who's there and he introduces you to his friend or he sees a friend he sees a guy he knows across the way and you're like and he says oh you should meet my buddy and and you're like yeah okay whatever and he and he comes over and talks to you and then uh I'm again we'll take this to a really basic level then you see just like a like this is in college right before any of us are married you see like 30 hot girls over on the other side of the bar and the guy's like oh those are my friends you want to meet him well, yeah, all of a sudden, this guy has huge credibility because he knows these girls, right? Right. <laughs> in life, as you go up further in life, it's the same, it's the same conversation. So when I, when I approach somebody about doing a documentary now, and I say, you know, hey, um, I'm really interested in, in talking to you about doing a documentary. I just recently finished a documentary with Richard Branson and Bill Clinton and Will I Am and, you know, blah, 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 blah Tony Robbins. All this, okay, let's have a conversation now. That's an easy conversation to get. Without those names and that celebrity credibility that I can add on to my credibility, that's a much much tougher conversation to have. Right, and so I'll even explain to people how I actually use you, and, and I borrow on your credibility. So Nick shot a documentary on our firm, and actually shot it on me. I wanted it to be on the firm, but Nick kept focusing, no, 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 it's got to be about a person because people don't relate to companies, they relate to people. So you, you shot it on me. And then what I do is when I ship out that documentary, I borrow from Nick's credibility because it says on our documentary directed by Nick Nanton, and then I send out a, a copy of a DVD on the documentary for Peter Diamandis, which Nick won two Emmys on. So now I'm borrowing from Nick's credibility. Look, this director, this Emmy award-winning director shot my video. I must be a big deal. So, And that's, that's the kind of credibility borrowing that you're teaching I mean, you do it at a level that there's really no other company that does it. It's it's a pretty remarkable uh, business that Nick and his partners have built. It's 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 amazing. In fact, what I'll do is probably even put in the show notes a link to our documentary if someone wants to download it and see um, how. I mean, work. I mean, he, you, it was interesting about it is you'll be able to see uh, us, and you'll think I'm really much better than I am. Then you'll see just how good it is. <laughs> 
But do you remember when I was in the yes. hotel room and I watched the video? I was like, wow, this is amazing. I want to do business with me. This is fantastic. <laughs> hey, man, it's all, it's all in the right setup. And, you know, it, it's really – another thing that I think is fascinating that people don't is, like, a lot of people say, oh, man, I'm, I'm no good at that. I don't like talking about myself. And, and I love that because I'm like, well, that, that's great because when I do my job right, you don't have to talk about yourself. You know, everything just falls into place. And so, so for me, yeah, like, and for you, like your documentary does it for you. And so it, it would be really hard for you to make a documentary on yourself. Much easier for me to make one on you because I know the qualities that will attract people to you and everything else. And so it's funny, by the way. I mean, we made a movie on ourselves years ago, and we've been trying to update it. And I've got like three or four scripts on my computer for the next documentaries we're supposed to do on ourselves. And, and even I struggle with it because it's just you need that outside – you need those outside eyes to help you tell your story. And that's, you know, that's why it looks the way it does to you because it's being seen by outside eyes that don't, you know, that don't uh, focus on the flaws that we all see within ourselves every day. Not to say we don't have them, and we often bring out the human elements to people, but it's, uh, there's a reason why it comes out that way. So we, one of the questions we like to ask people is, is how do you get started, which you kind of gave us an idea that you basically started when you were 16. So when people think that it, there's not a long road to success, you know, and I started really young too. I think that's a kind of an entrepreneurial – you kind of catch the bug early, I guess, and then you, and you try to figure things out at a very, very young age, and yeah. uh, it takes a while. So. No, I just, you know, because you, you're frustrated that the world won't take you seriously. Like, no, I'm trying to do something here. Like, really? Yeah, okay, kid, whatever. But yeah, no, that's when I started out music. I mean, so, yeah, I'm 36 now, so I've been, I've been effectively doing this for 20 years. You know, obviously when I was in school, in high school particularly, I couldn't do it full time, but I actually got off, you know, my senior year of high school, I got off every day at like 1 o'clock and did a work program. And I, yeah, and then college and undergrad and law school. I ran my own businesses and everything else. So, yeah, 20 years, and, and I really got into it because, you know, as a kid, um, I was entrepreneurial because my parents, we first-generation gen, immigrants, we came legally, of course, but, you know, they, they brought my brother and I here so we could have more opportunity, and they had some ups and downs in their life, and I knew that in order for me to achieve what I want to achieve, um, you know, I would have all the love in the world that I could have, but just the money wasn't going to be there. So if I wanted that, I had to earn it myself. So from the time I was like 12 or 13, I started becoming fascinated with, how does money work? How do you earn money? How do you make people want to give you money? Because obviously there's things I want to give people money for, and, and I'm 12 or 13. So, And then some people have a lot of money, some people have no money. How does that all work? So I started uh, getting fascinated by that and entrepreneurship and started doing entrepreneurial things from, you know, I played a lot of tennis, and so I started teaching group tennis lessons. So I'd have, you know, 10 kids at 5 or 10 bucks an hour and learning how to make 50 to 100 bucks in an hour group lesson. When I'm like 12, 13, I started – I became. I knew how to do some magic tricks, so I needed to make. I figure out what the highest amount hourly I could make was. So I became a clown at 15 and charged 150 bucks an hour to do some kids' birthday parties. Let's not spread that between just us girls here, but uh, that's yeah, something. don't tell anybody. <laughs> that's something I did, and uh, you know, And then I, I was, I was, I started playing guitar at six. Started songwriting at 16. Put out my first record at 18, which was still about 800 copies under my parents' bed because I didn't know how to market at the time. That I do, I know I wanted to stay there, but I, so I kind of had this. My whole life kind of had this entrepreneurship and music thing going along together all the way through you know, undergrad and law school, and I was <clears throat> playing gigs and doing all that stuff, producing records, had some stuff on the radio, songwriting. I still write in Nashville. And so my business partner, Jack, I, got, I convinced him. I probably uh, duped him now that I look back into working in the music business with me because it's just the hardest business ever to make money in. And um, I, he came in and worked in the music business with me for several years when I was in law school, and he eventually said, hey, Nick, 
if you did the exact same thing you're doing for musicians and bands and things you're doing now, if you just would do those for business people, he's like, you'd be in a category of one and you'd be a lot less frustrated because you wouldn't feel like you're babysitting 50 children because of my, all the bands I managed. And you'd make a lot more money. I said, yes, 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 I like it. And so we essentially, <laughs> started, we essentially started doing that. And so that, you know, we really built the agency off of, um, we are the only business agents in the world that focus on, you know, building credibility uh, in a way like a talent agent would for a, whatever, for a football player, baseball player, actor, musician. So this is interesting. So people need to really kind of focus on what you just said. Think about any one of your favorite music stars or any one of your favorite football or whatever stars. They have to manage their persona. Whether And we live in a world where the persona can get out there. Yep. Twitter, Facebook, all these different places where you can do things that are either stupid or smart to build your brand. And I think what, t- that what Nick's de- done with his team is figure out a way to manage a business person's brand. And what's great about business people is we'll pay for it. Yep. Whereas musicians are all starving. So well, they're all starving, I, but they also have the newest equipment. It's so weird. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I mean, because they know that they know that's going to solve their problem. Oh yeah, of course. It's not their songs. It's not their talent. It's the gear they have. I mean, all. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Because if they got a new amp as opposed to a new marketing program, that would be. And you know, it's funny because a lot of business owners will do the same thing. If you own a restaurant, you think that's the stove right. that's preventing people from coming in the door, and it's just not. So that's actually kind of a lesson: is is it's not the equipment. Um, you've got to you've got to sell something first before you can play the song. So you got to sell people that they want to even hear the song. <laughs> Absolutely, so. and I think you know uh, innocently, and we've all done it. It all, it all goes back to what our skill sets are. If 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 I'm a good guitar player and nobody's paying attention to me, I think I just need to get better equipment or need to become a better guitar player. And at the end of the day, you and I both know it all comes down to look. You have to be able to deliver consistently a good quality product or service. You have to be able to be honest about it. It has to be a good value, all that stuff. But at the end of the day. Marketing is what drives real, you know, real growth, real revenue. And so most people just don't understand it. It's a complex thing. It's complicated. It's the most, it, the thing I spend the most time on, it's the most frustrating thing for me too, because it's a constant puzzle. And so I think yes, you know, we all just go back to what's... It's not science. No, right, yeah. It's, it's art and science. You wish it was. <clears throat> yep. It's, it's architecture. Art and science. It's architecture. It's art and science. Which, yeah, if you ever notice, an architect's like the hardest person ever to work with, because they're like an accountant engineer meets an artist. It's difficult. <laughs> wow. So basically, whoever's married to an architect is a saint. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> All right. So, so we've talked a little bit of kind of your journey is where you got. Tell us a, a, an experience where you thought this is the end of the dream. <clears throat> we need people need to understand that there are that. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of great stories about how awesome it is to be an entrepreneur, and and they see us after we've become successful, but they don't understand that the journey is is there's some nightmares that are within the with the in the journey, and you have to be prepared for them. And if you can live through them, you can have success. Absolutely, and I think I think the thing that's been really interesting to me, and I mean, I'm I'm still the youngest at many tables I sit at, but actually when I do music stuff, I'm also old guys. Old guys That'll stuff. change, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was the youngest at every table, but I turned 50 this year, so yeah. that's, that was days long ago. I hear you, but so, but, <laughs> but I, I kind of play both roles, but it's interesting. So, so even though I am the youngest at many tables, I've had you know seemingly a lot of experience by now, and what I've always found interesting, I always thought there was just this level, because I saw people who had million-dollar homes or nice cars, or I was figuring there's just this level you got to and everything was cool. Like after that, you're fine. And same thing in business. Oh, you build a big business, it must be fine. And and what I've learned is it's it's um it's a constantly moving, shifting 
it's it's really interesting how the law treats a corporation as a as an individual person, and it's really interesting because that's really it's kind of like um man what what was that uh, there's that cartoon back in the day where like all the people were like their own little things and they came together to become like one big robot. It's kind of, there's like a transformers kind of thing in there too, but right. Yeah. I remember those. But, it, yeah. but it's, that's kind of like what your business is. You have, you have this one big beast you're running and, but it's made up of all these individual parts. And there's kind of, every time you, every level of growth requires a different skill set, which is really interesting because what first gets you into a business, the skill that you have is very rarely the, the skill that you need to grow to the next level. So if I'm a, a cabinet maker, and I'm a really good carpenter. Well, I can build only so many cabinets before I'm I'm either limited out with the amount of cabinet installations I can do by hours, or <clears throat> I don't have enough business to to do as much as I want to do. So really, my skill set that gets me into the business is typically not what allows me to stay in the business. And so I I just find that at every level I get to, I get stretched, and I try to bring in people who are smarter than me in those areas. But I have to learn these things too. I mean, you got to learn. You know, we have. I'm nearly 50 employees. You know, you, you got to learn how to manage people, how to how to motivate teams, how to lead. I mean, things I I know how to do in other set in other senses. I've done it did with sports teams as a kid and other things. But it's just it's interesting that what got me into this is not in many in many cases is not what will get you to the next level. And then what I think is really cool is when you when you build your business to a level where you realize the skill sets it takes, but then you can get you can get enough people around you doing the things that they're great at doing that aren't your unique ability, as Dan Sullivan would call it, and you can get back to doing what you love doing, doing best. So if I'm that cabinet maker, well, I might be able to make a million dollars a year building the cabinets I want to build, but having another group of 30 or 40 cabinet makers doing the lower-level installs, and if you want me, and I'm going to custom build them, it's my artistry, it's what I love. I love nothing more than building the perfect thing for your home or kitchen or bar, whatever the example is. But you know, when you get to when you get through those levels of, of some growing pains. There's always going to be growing pains. There's always going to be cutbacks. There's always going to be growth. There's going to be stagnation. There's all that stuff. Market's going to change. But the point is, there's a really unique place when you can build a machine, an organization that runs behind you that allows you to do what you love doing, which is why you started doing what you started doing in the first place. And most people don't ever get there. I think it's really important, but you have to go through the levels of learning and business skills to earn your way back there. So there, what you, <laughs> for those who are listening, you may want to go back and just listen to what he said. It was packed with wisdom. Um, I love the analogy of the different robots creating one because it's, it, you're creating partnerships, you're, in, you're employing people, which are many partnerships. Um, like you mentioned, it's, you, you, these businesses are, are considered like people in the, it, to the government and to the law. Uh, so you've got all these different pieces coming together to try to form this one new monster as you put it and i love your your comments on basically what got you here is not what gets going to get you to the next level and and what's interesting about that is there's really no book on it it's it's, it's not like oh i okay great i've just finished step one so now i'm going to go buy all the books on step two i'm going to get really versed in it and then i'm going to execute on step two and then once i accomplish that i'll go to step three all of our steps are different um how we grow our businesses are unique it's it's you can get advice from people that have some knowledge in the steps, but it's you you've got to learn it and 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 like you said, you have to always be engaged and there's no coasting ever. Yes. Well, whenever you coast, you realize that uh, the longer you coast, the more you realize that oh wait, I have less gas in the tank than I thought I had. So it wasn't right. Attention. And 
and, and people will pass you. <laughs> I mean, you're coasting, and they're not. You know, they're still got the pedal pedal to the metal. So it's a uh, there is no. I and I, my my wife and I had this discussion real early in my career. So when is it going to get to the point where you just you know you've arrived and then. You know, I said, well, it's probably when my business is doing a million dollars and I, I, I pretty much can coast. Yeah. Once you get there, you're like, no. It's, in fact, it's just the problems have more zeros. The complexity is more complicated. It's just, it's, it's work. <laughs> and uh, Exactly. It's, it's a puzzle. And I think, you know, part of it is, is learning. It's a tough lesson. And I'm, trust me, I'm not always there yet either. But it's learning to enjoy that puzzle because I think we're, we all operate from this, this point. At some point, even if we have abundance mentalities, I think we all go back to a scarcity mindset when things stop going our way. And I think there's, there's some sort of, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, some sort of philosophy or Asian philosophy of you know, yin and yang or something you could put into there. But it's like learning to, learning to operate within this, this, this space you're in right now without just automatically going to your mentality. Someone's going to take all my eggs away. You know, and you have to say, okay, so I got six eggs today and I'm dropping eggs you know, by one egg a day. So I got some time, but what do I, need? you know, and I think it's just learning how to, how to think clearly and operate within that puzzle, but also being able to make shrewd decisions as, you know, as needed when, when the time comes. And it, and it is, and it's work. It's, it's hard. It's not, and I think this is a really good lesson for everybody. I hope everyone paid really good attention. If not, go back because it's, it's, it's work. So, so that the next question you actually already answered. So what would you, you, you drop the unique ability idea um, for those that, and I call it a superpower, so Dan Sullivan, so Nick has his two Dans, Dan Kennedy and Dan yep. Sullivan, <laughs> and Dan Sullivan is the, the CEO of Strategic Coach, one of those organizations that I think has changed the world because you see his fingerprints. If you've been in his program, you know people that have been in the program just by the way their business is designed. It's really, yep. and you can't, you see his fingerprints when you're in it, so it's a, it's a very powerful program. But he talks about we as individuals have this unique ability. Strength Finders talks about this. Um, you know, Wonderlick and all the different testing softwares talk about this. But it's very important that we identify it so that we can be our best and then supplement with people who are not good at or be, are good at what we're not good at. So, what would you consider your superpower or your unique ability? Um, yeah, it's funny. I actually went through and did a whole program for a day with. Uh, the folks at Strategic Coach in Toronto to, to kind of work through that. Really, at the end of the day, what came out to be was think of the outcome that you want, your needs, desires, and there's a lot of a much lower budget than most people would expect. I had to learn to do things when I was in music and we were having to compete with, you know, Metallica who spent a million dollars making the first three songs and spent five million dollars on a record, let's say, and we had like we spent like ten grand. But in the in the store, we had a distribution deal where our CDs would be delivered to stores and everything else. In a store next to a Metallica record, our our stuff had to hold up. It had to look had to look as good. It had to feel as good. It had to sound as good. So I learned a bunch of ways to to give what uh, I'll credit uh, good friends. Uh, would, would teach me this, and uh, Dean Jackson, he talks about the minim, minimum effective dose, which is a, just a great term. Like, what's the minimum effective thing I got to do here to make it stand up? So I learned a lot of that. And then, um, you know, it just, uh, from, so I can do it on budget, but essentially like any piece of media or event, anything that has any piece of entertainment puzzle to it that you want to pull off to accomplish a goal, I can connect all the pieces and all the dots and the people to make that happen 
to get you the outcome you want and the budget you want. Now, that's on a high, high level, and as you break it down, that's what we do in our business. We do it with systems now, but if you want to become a best-selling author alongside, you know, we just did a book with Richard Branson or we've done books with Steve Forbes, books with Brian Tracy, Jack Canfield. I can make you a best-selling author. You know, you want to be a producer on an Emmy Award-winning movie. You can do that too. Um, you know, so it's kind of like I – in most – in most cases now, at this point in my career, I am coming up with the ideas, taking them out to people and say, hey, saying, hey, join me. And people who are looking for another level of credibility and another level of just like being fascinating to their clients and their customers beyond like I need a sale today. It's people who are like, I'm going to keep pushing the envelope to raise my status in my community and in my business community so that I'm always way ahead of the competition. I become, you know, like you said, my fingerprints are on everything because everyone's always talking about how far out ahead I am. I'm not worried about where to, you know, where to plumb the next, you know, pipe. I'm, I'm doing all these other things. And um, so I do that. I do a lot of those. But I'm, you know, we're, we're starting to get into a phase where people are starting to come to me and say, hey, I, I don't know if you've ever done this before. But I've seen you do this, 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 and this. Might you be able to help me accomplish this? And so that's obviously pretty exciting because you know there's there's a open road to go there. Well, so basically, what you've said is you're a master connector, and 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 I think I think this is two tiers from what I know of you is that you're a master connector on ideas, especially <laughs> ideas. I think a lot of entrepreneurs are pretty good at this. Is you're a master connector on ideas as it relates to your knowledge base. And then you're also master connected when it comes to people. Um, Nick's been able, I mean, he, he mentioned that he's in his mid-30s, but he's able been able to meet just these massive, huge people. Um, and he's done it in a way that it's not underhanded. It's just really smart. He basically gives people something that they want, and in return, he gets access to them. It's really a, a very smart way of doing business, but... Finding out what people want is not <laughs> there's no no easy task, but Nick has this knack to be able to do it. So I've been able to have a not a complete front row seat because I've known you for I don't know four or five years now. Yep. And uh, so you, you had a, a pretty robust business when I met you, but the, the the scale in which he's grown since I've met him and who he's connected to is it's just it's fun to watch i i'm i'm always fascinated this is the most fun part about doing these podcasts is i've, I've been interviewing some of the coolest businesses on every walks of life and it's just it's just a blast to hear people's journey and well thanks well you've been there for the most fun part of the journey the rest of it was a lot of uh a lot of uh laying foundation and now you get to see the walls go up and the uh you know the steeple go up top which is which is fun but i'll um just to kind of cap it all off i appreciate the kind words but with one more lesson because I think it's just a crucial one and I credit it with you know everything I've been able to do and, and it goes back to you know the whole the music thing and all that stuff I, I call it the value equation and you know when I was so when I started practicing entertainment law of course every other kid uh, in America had read these same books that said you need a lawyer so they would send me music because they wanted me to go get them a record deal and so I'd get you know I get I don't know emails that were like I get a lot of emails like Hey, this is the best thing you're ever going to hear. I just wrote a smash song. It's be the biggest song of the year for the next 10 years. I mean, like, so much puffery. And, like, I'd usually just delete them and not listen to them. Because even when they came from people who I, I had credibility for in my mind, people I'd known around or who were good at doing one thing, or, they usually sucked. And so I would just delete it. And, and I respond to everybody. You know that. And so but then I, get, yeah. I get, would get emails from someone who uh, was the approach I would usually take. Hey, I've been working really hard at this. I'm sure I can get better. I would love your feedback, but I think 
I've gotten a lot of really good feedback. I think this is getting closer to being something that might be commercially viable or whatever. You know, would you mind taking a listen? And when I got those, I'd always listen. I always offer constructive feedback. But there, it, it got me thinking as I got into business and everything else. There's, there's this value equation. There's these things that, like, those people who are coming to me saying this is the best thing, and I even get people now, they don't say it this way. Sometimes they do, but, like, you, you're successful. You owe me this. Like, no, I don't. I, I do plenty of stuff for my church and other charities. No, I don't really. That's I'm right. Okay. Yeah, I'm good, really. But but people really. Have, I get a, it's funny. It's like you get to choose your own charity. Other people don't get to choose it for you. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and so one of the things that I started understanding is that just even though it's an unspoken thing, many people just don't have this understanding of providing value to other people. And I don't mean in the corny. I don't want to knock you bad in like the chambers of commerce, but the corner chamber of commerce way where the guy comes, he's like, and so how can I help you today, John? You know, like <laughs> it's just this line that they have. And, and I mean, like when I'm looking at a deal, <clears throat> something I want to do for a, so if I want to do a movie on a Peter D. Amanda, so I want to get Richard Branson involved in something. I mean, these people, I know very clearly they owe me nothing, nothing. And so I have to start from a point of, Hey, what could I do for this person that would give them value and get them to another level of something in their life or business or something that they would desire to where I might earn my way into that conversation. And so that's where I do a lot of times. And I think most people just, it's just short sightedness and just, they just probably never thought of it that way. But when you go into many deals, even just selling something to somebody, it's all an exchange of value. So you got to be thinking, I know we all have our quotas, we got our widgets, we got to sell them. But if you just walk into the conversation going, what, what does this person need what can i read about them online what can i find what can i get in their conversation what can i learn that's what they're really trying to accomplish a lot of people who are building a business really aren't doing it for that reason they're doing it because maybe they have a passion for orphanages in mexico back in their homeland or what like get to the core of, of what their value system is and and you might be able to provide so much more value to them than the traditional way everyone else is doing it monetarily and that's where i've always been able to win you know, I've been able to do things where if we just went up straight dollars to Richard Branson, I lose every time. Just always going to lose. But there are skill sets that I have or, or contacts I have or things that, you know, might be valuable to him in the things that he is trying to accomplish that I've read about or seen or whatever else. So I've always approached things that way, and it's worked really well for me. So in all that, I think it's a lesson of just, you know, it's a constant value equation. You've got to be, you know, analyzing what can I do for these people? And I don't do it in a calculated way of like, hmm, how can I get them to do what I want them to do? But look, if I want, if there's something I want to do with them, I just start from the point of view like I know I'm going to have to earn my way in the conversation. So, okay, what am I going to need to do? And I think if you start from there, you get a lot further. That Once again, there's a master class in that. Um, basically, lessons on giving value, and it's not always money. And this is, I think this is something when you need money, you feel like everybody else must need money too. And you don't realize that there are certain levels where – it's no longer about money. I mean, Branson doesn't care about money. I mean, he cares about money with lots of zeros when he's buying a company he may not have enough. In fact, he even talks about this in the Diamandis yeah, film, yep. that he's disappointed that he didn't fund it uh, because his, he says there's never enough money. Yep. You think, gosh, how could, how could Branson We're always not? doing too many things and always strapped for cash. When I heard a billionaire say that, I felt much better about myself. Yeah, I mean, that's literally – he literally said that, and I was like, wow. So it never does get better. It's just the zeros change. Yep, exactly. You know, now you may need ten dollars. Years from now, you need ten thousand, and you're like, "Well, I'd really like to have the problem where I need ten million. Right. No, actually, you wouldn't. Right? <laughs> it's a lot of work to have those problems. Um, it seems like it wouldn't be because you're worrying. You're worrying about less of the day-to-day -day stuff or the the big global stuff. So, 
All right, so let's end it, end it with my, my favorite segment, which is apps and tech. What are the apps and tech that rock your world right now? Um, well, we are building a, 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 basically a network called the Success Network. I haven't really told anyone about it yet. And uh, so, no. we, so we're going to have an app on Apple TV and, and Roku and everything soon. So that, I, I'm testing the app, so that's what I have. It's a pretty cool one. Um, what other ones I love? Let me look at my phone here. I love Umail. Umail is like a really cool uh, voice-to-text transcription system for voicemails is a great one. Um, I am using uh, Cigar Oasis. That's a good one. That, uh, that tells me when my humidor is running dry. <laughs> That's a fun one. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fantastic. I got that because of the Winston Churchill cigar, which is a story for another day. Uh, oh, yes. This one actually, dude, is, is huge. It's, it's called Thumbtack. I hadn't heard of it, but essentially it's like an Uber for – things you need so you can go on thumbtack and you can say i need i don't know like i, I had a fan that was clicking and i went and googled like fan doctor orlando but it's right or like fan expert i get and it led me to this thing where this place called thumbtack and i didn't know at the time but they kind of duped me into it but it's really well done it's like tell us more about your problem and i had to answer like three or four questions and most of them were like like just multiple choice just click this click that click that and it said just submit your email and you'll have bids from professionals within 24 hours so i was like well i'm already this far let me do it Within 10 minutes, I had two bids. One guy's like, yeah, I'll fix your clicking fan for 50 bucks." Well, he came and did it, and he's been here now for two weeks finishing up all this other stuff in my house because I need <laughs> a lot of stuff I needed done. But you can, have, you can find a personal trainer on there. You can find literally any personal task, anything you need done. You can go to Thumbtack. You can submit it, and people submit bids back. And better yet, the reason why I hired the guy for 50 bucks is because he had 26 five-star reviews. Everyone said, this guy's awesome, awesome, awesome. So it's a review system, too, so you're not just going in blindly. Um, so I've just recently found a plumber there. I found, I mean, you can find anything you want there, and it's like it's like as revolutionary to my life as Uber was. Wow, so it's like 99 designs for professional services. You got it, man. Oh, wow. And by the way, Nick was actually the guy that introduced me to Uber. Well, there you go. I don't know if you know that. Uh, yes, you were, you were my Uber experience. So Nice. Yes, so in Los Angeles. All right, it was good. I yeah. take it. Yes, it was great. Yes, I'm a big, a big Uber user now. So, Excellent. well, hey, thanks for being on, Nick. I know that you've just moved and you've got stuff that you got to deal with. So, um, deal with it. But you've also got a very successful business to deal with. So, <laughs> and we appreciate your your impatient patience where <laughs> you allowed us to do this for the the third time. Their time is definitely charged, and guess what? It did record. Good. All right, we'll take it. Hey, man, let me know if I can do it for you. Thanks for the time.